This is the Life Truth Network. Truth Exposed, Episode 35. Truth Exposed, a feature of Quest for Truth where we take a deep dive into Scripture. Now located at life-truth.com. And now, here are your hosts, Keith Heltsley and Nathan Caldwell. If these guys were in the woods, squirrels would drag them up a tree. Welcome everyone, this is your host Keith and it's time for Truth Exposed. Uh, we are going to be talking about uh, John chapter 10 today. You'll hear, uh, of course, our usual co-host, Nathan Caldwell, and some comments by J. Vernon McGee, our favorite old-time radio Bible teacher uh, from Through the Bible Ministries, ttb.org. Uh, and with that said, I don't want to uh, go too long here. I do have uh, some noise in the background. There's kids playing and stuff, so hopefully it's not picking up too badly. But uh, hey, let's go. Let's go right after this. These great words from voices you'll hear over at Christian Podcast Community, ChristianPodcastCommunity.org, a ministry of striving for eternity. Unbelievers now have no excuse to misinterpret the Bible like they ever did. Interpreting the Bible has never been easier or less expensive. Get your copy of What Does It Mean to Me? This teaches and demonstrates the importance of biblical interpretation. Proper biblical interpretation is the difference between truth and error, life and death heaven and hell. This is created for your sinos. That's your Christians in name only. Readers will stop asking, what does this mean to me? And start asking, what does it mean? Get your copy of what does it mean to me at trackplanet.com or on amazon.com today. You want to get this before it's too late. Commands of Christ, presented by Nathan Caldwell. When you are out as sheep among wolves, there is the, the, the idea that you're in danger. There's also the idea that sometimes you have to engage the wolves. And how do you do that? Do you do that by sticking a finger in their face and going, you're going to die and go to hell? Yeah, when it comes to wolves, the best thing is to be aware. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and maybe the temptation is to get all back on them. I'm not saying that that's the right thing. I do know that if you leave it in God's hands, he'll take care of it. God has a way of taking care of things a lot better. I just... You know? uh, when you said that, I thought about Greg Kokel and how he talks about being an ambassador for Christ and the, the 
the wise as serpents, you know, is your tactical approach, and the harmless as doves is you do it in a manner that is. Uh, you can be aggressive in that. Right. You, know, you always have to temper it with that passage that says, Vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. Uh, and so you want to be careful about retaliating. Right. That was Commands of Christ, presented by Nathan Caldwell. Main topic. All right, continuing to talk with the healed blind man who was cast out of the temple, Jesus had revealed his credentials in the early part of John chapter 10 here. He described himself as a good shepherd, uh, comparing himself to what the thieves and robbers do. Uh, he hinted, of course, that the recent generation of religious leaders were these thieves and robbers. However, the well-intended shepherds might just be hired hands, and we'll see what happens with that as we roll into today's scripture found at John chapter 10, uh, starting at verse 12, going through verse 21. Verse 12. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd who is not the owner of the sheep sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees. And the wolf snatches them and scatters them. But he that is an hireling and not the shepherd whose own sheep are not sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees. Or, you know, he sees the danger. He runs. The wolf catches them, being the sheep, and scatters the sheep. You see the difference between the Lord Jesus and any other religious ruler or leader, for that matter, is that the other religious leaders men have had to do something for them. They did very little for humanity. You take any of the great leaders. Buddha never did very much for his followers, and Muhammad actually never did very much for his followers. And these modern cult leaders, all they do is get rich. They don't seem to do very much for them. The difference between a hireling and the shepherd is the shepherd is the one that gives his life for the sheep, and then he protects the sheep. Now, I'm reading this from the New American Standard Bible, and you'll hear our co-hosts reading from the King James, just so you are aware of that. But in this verse, the hireling, or sometimes it's translated as a wage worker, uh, they are just there for the money, uh, not the danger. <laughs> they only care, or they don't really care for the sheep as far as uh, it goes, uh, only that they're paid to watch the sheep. They don't own them. There's no vested interest there. Uh, when he sees, which could also be the experiences, uh, that uh, this event where uh, the approaching wolf is coming, well, he flees. He abandons. He runs away from the sheep. Uh, he's a coward. He's not paid to be brave. The wolf is just take what he wants. It's easy pickings. 
Uh, and of course, those sheep that aren't caught, they just scatter and run for safety. Uh, because if we have it well attended, even a shepherd, even though they're paid, they, they don't care as much for the sheep as the good shepherd. Verse 13, he flees because he is a hired hand and is not concerned about the sheep. Verse 13, the hireling fleeth. Why? Because he is a hireling, and he careth not for the sheep. I think we've pretty much called that. <laughs> There's not a lot more to say. Uh, again, he's only here for the pay. He's going to punch his time clock and go home. So don't uh, bog the hired person down for you know, <laughs> extra demands. Uh, verse 14, I am the good shepherd, and I know my own, and my own know me. Now, there's a mutual knowledge happening here. The knowledge of ownership, uh, that, that the shepherd owns the sheep, <laughs> the sheep recognize who owns them, a mutual understanding. I am the good shepherd, and I know my sheep, and am known of mine. Two things that are important. The good shepherd knows his sheep and his sheep know him. A wonderful relationship. Paul said that I might know him and the power of his resurrection, the fellowship of his suffering. To know him and to know him is to love him, and he knows his sheep. What a beautiful, actually a beautiful picture that we have here of him. And you have that picture actually given back in Ezekiel in the thirty fourth chapter, there is a wonderful picture of a shepherd in verse 11 of the 34th of Ezekiel. For thus saith the Lord God, Behold, I, even I, will both search my sheep and seek them out. As a shepherd seeketh out his flock in the day that he's among his sheep that are scattered, so will I seek out my sheep, and I'll deliver them out of all places where they've been scattered in the cloudy and dark day. Then he goes on, I'll bring them out, and I'll feed them in a good pasture. And verse 15, I'll feed my flock. What a wonderful picture of the shepherd, you see. He is the good shepherd. He's the great shepherd. He's the chief shepherd. As the Father knows me, even so I know the Father. And I lay down my life for the sheep. Verse 15, even as the Father knows me, and I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. And, and again, this is a statement that reinforces the mutual relationship. He compares the relationship of Jesus with God to the sheep and Jesus. Uh, the word soul or life uh, is the soul of Jesus himself, the good shepherd, the Messiah. It, that's what is laying down. And to lay down means to place or set. You know, if you look up in a dictionary, the word set, it's such a small word. 
three little letters, S-E-T. But it has the most dictionary definitions of what it means uh, to set. Uh, it, it, it means place is the word it's used, but uh, it's used just like we do, would use the word set. Uh, what does that mean? It means to commission, to ordain, to establish. Uh, it can mean a wide variety of uh, things. So Jesus is taking his soul, his life, he's laying it down, he's establishing it, he's placing it, he's ordaining his life. Why? Well, the word for is actually translates the word that means over or upon. Well, what goes upon? The blood of the shepherd. Jesus takes his soul and he places it, he sets it, he establishes it uh, so that his blood covers the sheep with, makes the sheep look like him. Uh, just as, exactly as, they look exactly as him. Verse 16. I have other sheep which are not of this fold. I must bring them also, and they will hear my voice, and they will become one flock with one shepherd. Wow. Now notice he says something else here in verse 16 that we need to remember. And other sheep I have which are not of this fold. Now the fold is Israel, you see. And he says, them also I must bring, and they shall hear my voice, and there shall be one. Now it's not fold here, because there's more than one fold, but there's only one flock. And that's what it should be. There shall be one flock and one shepherd. And today he is calling out a people, both Jew and Gentile, rich and poor, bond and free, male and female black and white, people from all nations, out of every tongue and tribe and nation, and there's going to be one flock, one shepherd. And other sheep I have, which are not of this fold, them also I must bring, and they shall hear my voice. This is other sheep are the Gentiles. Eventually, they would be saved. A good passage to argue that Jesus didn't die for just Jews, but for everyone. That's verse 16 of John chapter 10. Them also I must bring, and they shall hear my voice, and they, there shall be one fold and one shepherd. Therefore doth my Father love me, because I lay down my life, that I might take it again. Now look at this. Jew and Gentile, what he say? He says it's one fold. He says, I don't have two. He says, it's not going to be two separate folds. I'm not going to have a, a, a church for the Jews and a church for the Gentiles. I'm not going to have a group for the Jews and a group for the Gentiles. I'm not going to be segregated in my atonement. You guys are going to be unified. There shall be one fold and one shepherd. 
Who's the shepherd? Jesus Christ. If Jesus is your Savior, you don't have to worry about black or white. You don't have to worry about Native American or or uh, Indian or or you name whatever culture or race you can think of. You don't have to worry about any of that because the distinction you need to be concerned with is do the person know Christ or not? That's the important concern because if they do, we're all together. A fold, I think, has already been pointed out. It represents the nation of Israel. The other sheep, of course, I think also has been pointed out, that it is other Gentile nations that are not Israel. Uh, the flock is all the sheep, whether they're uh, Israel, whether they're Gentile. And I think it, we all agree, of <laughs> our hosts here, it doesn't matter uh, ethnicity, the color of your skin, uh, religious. It, anybody uh, is a sheep who believes in Christ, no matter where you're at. But we are unified under Him. Um, well, it's just a matter of recognizing His voice. Uh, and despite where the sheep are, they're unified under Christ. They're bought by and covered with his blood. Verse 17, for this reason, the Father loves me because I lay down my life so that I may take it up again. Then he says, all this is in the will of the Father. Verse 17 says, therefore, does my Father love me because I lay down my life? that I might take it again. And friends, the Father loves him because he died for us. We ought to love him because he died for us. The one reason that Jesus has a Father's love is this unique capability of being able to pay for all the sins of all humanity. Uh, an eternal price has been paid. It, it needs to be paid. Uh, he lays down his life. He places his soul. Uh, but he also can take it up again. He can put his, his life aside. But he has life in and of himself. Uh, so if anyone can love, he can. If anyone can judge, he can. If anyone can break the seven seals or in the book of Revelation, he can. Uh, he can set that life aside and he can take it back. Verse 18. No one has taken it away from me, but I lay it down on my own initiative. I have authority to lay it down, and I have authority to pick it up again. This commandment I received from my Father. Now listen to him. He's making something very clear. Not only to them, but to us today. He says, No man takes it from me, but I lay down of myself. I have power to lay it down. I have power to take it again. This commandment have I received of my Father. Now, if you'll note this very carefully, that at the trial of Jesus, and we called attention to it in Matthew, 
He was in full control. You see, he set the time of his death. He said he would die during the feast day. Now, his enemies, the ones who arrested him, said, not on the feast day, lest there be an uproar of the people. He was crucified on the feast day. Just as he said, he is never more kingly than when he approaches that cross. And he's in absolute charge. If you read the gospel records aright, you find out he wasn't on trial. The Roman government was on trial. The nation Israel was on trial. And by the way, you were on trial and I was on trial. And we were condemned to die in him, for he died for the sins of the world. He didn't have to die, friends. He did it willingly. For the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross, despising the shame. He had power to lay on his life, had power to take it. No man could touch him unless he had his permission. Now, I think in King James it uses the word, I have the power to lay it down, the power to take it up. Uh, it, and actually, the word power or authority is... It's just a different way to translate this word. Uh, well, let me first uh, talk about uh, what says the one who could take a life from Jesus. Nobody, no one uh, has the ability to take a life away from Jesus. Uh, he will give his life up. He has given his life up. But he only does so on his terms when he's ready when God says it's time. Now, back to this word authority. The root word in Greek is where we get the word exertion. Uh, we think about power, think about authority, uh, you know, power, uh, you have a power in your engine. If it's if your engine and your car is just sitting there, well, the power is idle. It may even be dormant if your engine is turned off, right? Uh, but it has an ability, and when it's running, it is exerting force. And this is what this, what this word means, is to exert, to exercise. Uh, so it, it's not a you know, dynamo, like dynamite. It, it just sits there until you light a fuse, <laughs> and then it exerts force. Uh, but it has a capacity. He's not saying I have the capacity. He's not saying I have the, the, the ability, but it's just laying there dormant. It's just lying there idling. He says, I have the exertion. I, I have the uh, exercise. I have the active power in action. <laughs> I have the active authority uh, in action to do these things, to lay down a life, to pick it up again. Uh, and it has been commanded by God the Father. Uh, God designed it this way. If you have any questions about why did Jesus have to die? Well, God designed it this way. And yeah, Jesus was dead. He was in the grave. And he wasn't. Uh, let's go ahead and move on. In verse 19, a division occurred again among the Jews because of these words. Now, this, of course, caused people in that day, especially the enemies, uh, raise some questions. Verse 19. There was a division, therefore, again among the Jews for these things. Now, this is kind of why 
I think that Jesus gave this teaching on the heels of healing a blind man because he seems to be right outside that temple uh, where there would have been people uh, outside watching and he uh, he caused the division the word of schism uh, he caused a, a huge indefinite clean cut rift a big <laughs> gap uh, like an earthquake that rips the earth apart a schism uh, but there, it was caused by his words what, he just didn't go out there and punch somebody. He didn't jump around. He didn't put nobody. Just his words really, you know, shattered uh, uh, the people's uh, ideology and caused this division. Uh, now he may have been directing his words uh, to this former blind man or to this, his own disciples because this is the purpose of teaching somebody. <laughs> but the religious leaders had to have been in earshot as well because if they heard this they were nearby they may not have been sitting at Jesus feet but they were close enough to hear his words and be shattered by them verse 20 many of them many of them were saying he has a demon and is insane why do you listen to him and many of them said he hath a demon and is mad why hear ye him now, okay, why listen? Well, many said, not all of them, but many said, he has a demon, he's a maniac, is what that word insane or mad comes from, maniac. He has a demon, he's a maniac. Why do you even listen to him? It's fake news, it's misinformation. This is what the ones who disagree are saying. It sounds kind of familiar. <laughs> Why do you listen to this guy? It's just wrong. Anyway, uh, verse 21, we'll wrap this up. Um, others were saying, these are not the sayings of one who is demon-possessed. The demon cannot open the eyes of the blind, can he? That's a good observation. Others said, these are not the words of him that has a devil. Can a devil open the eyes of the blind? Now you see that what he's saying here goes back to that incident of the fact that he opened the eyes of this man born blind. And the crowd there that day said, well, a demon could never have done what he did. And there was a division, you see, among the people. Some thought... He was a demon. Others thought he was the divine Son of God, that he was the Savior of the world. And there's always been that division. Many believed. Many did not believe. When Paul went to Athens, some believed. Some did not believe. And when I preach, I find out some believe and some do not believe. When we give it out on radio, some believe and some don't believe. That's the way it is, <laughs> and I'm not expected to be different than that. Can a devil open the eyes of the blind? And we've looked at Jesus healing the blind man not long ago as we're looking through the words that John 
wrote in his gospel. And that was back in chapter 9 where he, he healed the blind. So um, some of them thought, you know, this guy's crazy or this guy's possessed. And others realized something that uh, is very important. The reason miracles happened was so people could see uh, Jesus validated by God. You know, uh, he had the power because he was the one God sent. And that was important because that meant his message was valid too. And so some people actually recognize that. Keith, that's all I have. I hope it helps. Thank you. The others, you know, some of them, not, you know, not all of them, some of them, uh, on this other side of the schism, said these are not demonic words. Uh, his actions that he healed the blind are not demonic. Uh, you know, if the words are hard to take, just let the actions speak for themselves, basically. And if you've ever been uh, at a mental health facility, I mean, these days, the ones I've been to, to, to visit, of course, <laughs> not to become an inmate, they're, they're pretty uh, tame, we'll say. But, oh, back in the 70s, I had chance to visit a uh, mental hospital. And let me tell you what, if you have a mental demon, uh, you don't act like this. In fact, you, you have your own demons that need to be cast out, let alone healing someone else of theirs. Uh, so yeah, uh, these these are not the words of a demon. Well, that's all I really have. Uh, basically, is uh, just to kind of recap: is uh, it, you can, people can still call Jesus uh, a lunatic or insane, or he was a madman or obscure or blown out of proportion. But the recorded words and acts and deeds we have of him uh, don't prove that out that he's anything but uh, insane or demonic and uh, if you hear his voice that the Holy Spirit is talking to you convicting you drawing you leading you listen to that voice all you have to do is believe if you recognize Jesus' voice uh, just believe you are his sheep uh, if you just kind of insist on the Rejecting, well, maybe you're not his sheep. I'm sorry to, sorry to know that. <laughs> really am. Uh, but uh, we, we don't know who the sheep are. Sheep are sheep. But if you're a sheep, you're his sheep. So follow him. Andrew Rappaport's Rap Report is a podcast providing biblical interpretations and applications. It is a ministry of striving for eternity and part of the Christian podcast community. We provide a biblical view of cultural events, discuss how to apply God's word to the Christian life, address issues that concern the church, and we even take some time to offer a correct understanding of those commonly misinterpreted passages of scripture. You will hear from great guests like Justin Peters, Todd Friel, Jay Warren Wallace, and Gabe Hughes. Andrew has the Rap Report Daily, which is a two-minute Monday through Friday podcast, and then the longer Rap Report podcast for more content. Subscribe to both today by searching for Rap Report on any podcast app, spelled R-A-P-P, Report, or click the podcast link at strivingforeternity.org. 
Hello and welcome to the In Awe and Wonder podcast. In Awe Wonder podcast, all one word, at gmail.com. The voicemail, the Google voicemail number set up where you can call and leave a message, 724-237-5319. My purpose statement, it really comes down to seeing the need and wanting to help. Standing in the gap, so to speak, by helping women to grow in biblical literacy, discernment, discipleship, Christian living, and in awe and wonder of God. From there, my prayer would be that women growing in these areas would do something to share the gospel and to help grow other women disciples locally in their communities and churches and in the world. Thanks for listening. So you can like, subscribe, and share. The blog page is www.kristen-hamilton.com. You can follow the Facebook page called In Awe and Wonder Podcast slash blog. And you can do a search for the private Facebook group that is simply called In Awe and Wonder. You can follow me on Twitter at Kristen Hammond. Have a great day and keep reading your Bible. That's all we got for our show. Uh, it wasn't too awfully long, but there's some important things there to be said about the good shepherd and the sheep and knowing that if you are the sheep that you have some surety that uh, you are his and he is yours you know him and he knows you uh, you can't take that away and so let's go ahead and close this off this is your host Keith signing off thanks for listening tell a friend about us and uh, see you next week visit life-truth.com where you can find all our shows leave a message or call our voicemail number at 401-753-4844. Find us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash life truth page. Follow us on Twitter at capital H, capital P, capital N, capital C, A-S-T. Everything Nathan Caldwell does can be found at facebook.com forward slash protectors of the book. Music in the show is used by permission of Kevin Zerby at zerbinator.wordpress.com. May the word of Christ dwell in you richly. May you find everything you need. And if you don't know Jesus, your greatest need is a Savior. Thanks for listening.